So the two verses there in chapter 18, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, breaks out against all sound judgment, and a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. Those two verses, um, that was the second sermon that I preached uh, in my life. Um, well, an official sermon. Um, it was long before I was remotely qualified to do such a thing. Um, and yet I did. Uh, perhaps I should have been taking the advice of this passage and learning to keep my mouth shut. Um, because uh, one of, it was, it was uh, apparently so offensive um, that one of the elders of my church uh, stood up and walked out uh, in the middle of it. And I didn't even notice. I was just in the zone. Um, and I, my pastor told me later, he's like, did you notice? That's so, I was like, what? <laughs> uh, hopefully, um, the, uh, what I have to say will be a little more skillful, but I'm not sure that it's going to be less offensive. Um, this passage um, cuts very uh, much to the heart of uh, our pathologies as Americans, as our national, uh, to our national pathology. Um, our Declaration of Independence uh, uh, declared that we, uh, as our people, were um, alone, were qualified uh, to uh, determine our own destiny as a people. And um, the most influential American philosopher on the heels of that, who man who lived through it, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, wrote an essay, a long essay, called Self-Reliance. Um, not long, not too long, after the Declaration of Independence had been signed. And he said that this essay, Self-Reliance, what he was doing was he was embodying the philosophy of the Declaration of Independence for all of Americans. And the gist of that essay this, what he said was the most American philosophy was, don't listen to other people. Only listen to yourself. Only listen to your own heart. He said, uh, imitation is suicide. Envy, uh, he said, is ignorance. Uh, anytime you're looking at what other people think about what you do and you're being influenced by it, you're, you're committing suicide. He said that every person ought to become uh, as much like an infant as they can. Because you know what we do with infants? When we look at an infant, we don't try to make the infant be like us. We change our face. We start talking like an infant. We know the infant's not going to talk like us, so we start talking like an infant, and we make goofy sounds, and we make goofy faces, stuff that we would never do. Uh, we're talking to an adult. And uh, Emerson said, every person should strive to make themselves like that infant that forces everybody else to conform to them. Um, perhaps you have heard, perhaps you've never heard of Emerson, perhaps you've never read Self-Reliance, but I bet you've heard that philosophy. Uh, here we are 200 odd years later. Uh, Emerson's influence uh, has been very, very strong. Um, we think that it is uh, the most moral thing is for us to listen to ourselves and keep our own counsel, and the least moral thing is to be overly influenced by other people. 
Um, yet this passage is telling us the opposite. And I want to say, the Bible, in other places, does talk to us about having courage, about uh, standing alone when necessary. Um, Jesus stood alone um, against uh, the, the pressures of his culture. He said things that, were, that flew in the face of what would have been the wise counsel of, uh, of the people in his culture. So there's a place for that. Um, yet we, uh, as Americans, uh, need to pay special attention to this. Um, we, uh, I think it's easy for us to, to pretend um, that the world is the way that it ought to be. It's easy for us to get the idea that um, good things happen to good people and bad things only happen to bad people. And if something bad happens to you, it must be because you did something bad. And if something good happens to me, it must be because I did something good. Um, and sometimes it takes uh, not just a tragedy, but a tragedy after a tragedy after a tragedy after a tragedy uh, to drive home to us uh, that the world is not as, as it ought to be, um, that there is, in fact, a good deal of injustice. That actually, uh, you know, the, the book of Proverbs overall uh, can reinforce that impression. You want good things to happen to you? Here are the good things you should do. Here are the smart things to do. Here's the wise way to be. Don't be a fool or bad things will happen to you. And those, those things are true, but Scripture also says in another place, in another book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes, I, he says, I, I returned and saw that under the sun the race does not go to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor wealth to men of understanding. But time and chance happens to them all. Things, things don't always happen the way they ought to be under the sun. In the world where we actually live, sometimes the innocent are punished. Sometimes the guilty go free. And sometimes it takes uh, tragedies like this to wake us up. The fact of the matter is, it's not just time and chance that happens to them all, but we happen to them. When there's injustice in the world, most of the time it's because we've caused it. And what these, you know, you might think this is an odd selection of verses. You know, it's three verses from one chapter and then the first ten from another, and how, how did I decide to put all those together? Uh, the, the truth is, the, the more you read Proverbs very carefully, the more artistry you can discern in the way that these proverbs are laid side by side um, so that you can actually arrange, you can actually select paragraphs that, you, you know, if you looked at it one day, you might say, well, it's actually these six verses seem to go together and make this point. But actually the next day you might say, well, actually these three and these three, these come together to make a completely different point. And they, they overlap and they weave together. And the themes that are being woven together and the reason that I picked these 13 verses to go together. Is there is a theme here of uh, injustice and the sin of partiality. That is the sin of, uh, instead of giving people what they deserve and what they ought to get by playing favorites in one way or another. Uh, the sin of, uh, instead of doing justice, paying attention to whether you like a person, whether they are like you. There's that. Then there's also this huge theme of uh, speaking too quickly and listening too slowly. Uh, and that with the theme of the name of the Lord being a strong tower. Those three things 
um, are being woven together here. Um, and the point that, that uh, emerges is that this refusal to listen, this refusal to accept information that uh, is contrary to what you already think is not only the height of folly, but it undergirds injustice and feeds injustice. Um, the injustice that we are seeing and living through right now um, is very much the fruit of this kind of refusal to listen. Uh, it, and it takes the murder of Philando Castillo and Alton Sterling and the murder of those officers and the death of Micah Johnson uh, to get us to pay attention. Uh, we cause the injustice. And that's what the first verse of this passage says, right? To, to impose a fine on a righteous man. Verse 26. To impose a fine on a righteous man is not good, nor to strike the noble for their uprightness. Who's the one doing that? I mean, if you're paying attention here, you have to, to, to impose a fine on a righteous man or strike a noble. You have to be a powerful magistrate. <laughs> you have to be kind of high up to have that authority. Uh, it's a human being who is causing this injustice. Um, in case you hadn't noticed, in our system of government, you are the highest magistrate, collectively. We as voters are the highest authority. If there's injustice, we cause it. We're responsible for it. Um, and this passage is showing us one of the most certain, most subtle, most insidious, and most common ways that we feed injustice, and we feed it when we speak, when we should be listening. We feed injustice by speaking when we should be listening. Um, so how do we do that? How do we, first of all, I mean, as Emerson said, not only do we do this, but we have elevated it to be a virtue in our culture. Not listening to other people, we have made it a virtue. How do we do that? How does that play out. I, uh, April 1st, 2014, uh, NPR posted on Facebook. I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about Facebook a little bit. If you are not on Facebook, I apologize. Um, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'll do my best to explain to you how it works, but I'm going to be talking about it because it is a, uh, a way that really exposes the way that we do these things. So on Facebook, NPR National Public Radio posted an article, um, the title of which was, Why Doesn't America Read Anymore? And there was a link that you could click on to read the article. Um, there, was, there were thousands of comments um, on this article, um, most of which in the beginning were things like, I'll tell you why America doesn't read anymore, it's because of, uh, it's because America's become a nation of mouth breathers, said one person. Um, another person said, it's called iPads and smartphones. Another person said, says who? My entire family reads. 30 plus with in-laws. People are still using the libraries. Bookstores are always in use. E-readers are selling. School. So disagreeing with the premise of the article. Another person said, just because people aren't opting to read a dusty copy of War and Peace doesn't mean they're, they're, we're having a hard time comprehending things. And he goes on. Um, another person says, sorry, but I still read. My grown children read. My grandchildren read. And not just social media posts. We read books. 
real, hold in our hands books as well as e-books. Parents who read beget children who read. And everybody had an opinion about why it was that America doesn't read, or we actually do read. Uh, here's the joke. You may have noticed if I said the date was, it was April the 1st. There was no article. If you clicked on the link, it took you to a page that said, congratulations, being one of the people who actually tried to read this. Please don't, if, you, if you're here reading this, go ahead and click like if you want to, but please don't comment and spoil the joke for other people. But guess what? The rest of those thousands of comments were people saying things like uh, how funny this joke was and uh, making fun of the people who had read the article and commented on it. Um, with, uh, making, I'm sorry, making fun of the people who had not read the article yet commented on it. Do you catch the irony? Even though they read it, they still completely disregarded what it said. It said, please don't comment on it if you're reading this. So the, the thing that this reveals is not just that people aren't looking for information, but even the people who are bothering to look for information, they're still just doing it to find an excuse to, as verse 2 says here, to take pleasure only in expressing their own opinion. They were reading the article not so that they could learn something, but so that then they could air their own opinion. Uh, we can't help ourselves. Right? It's like, and finally, there was a third group of people. There were the people who read the article, or there were people who didn't read the article but commented. There were people who did read the article and then commented about the people who were too stupid to read the article. And then there was a third group of people who read the comments, read the article, read the other comments, and then commented, criticizing the people for ignoring the instructions, ignoring the same instructions to do so. Nobody could help themselves to just air their own opinion. No one was looking for information. No one was delighting in understanding. No one was seeking. Everyone just wanted to talk. In Pulp Fiction, there's that line where Uma Thurman says to John Travolta, do you, in a conversation, do you listen or do you wait to talk? And John Travolta says, I must confess, I wait to talk. Um, we are all waiters to talk. Um, there was a follow-up to this recently um, in an online publication called IFL Science. Um, it's kind of a popular science online magazine. And they posted on Facebook a headline that said, marijuana contains alien DNA from outside our solar system. NASA confirms. <laughs> Guess what? It's not true. They posted the article, that link, for the same reason. To see who would comment on it, speculating about what that could mean without having clicked on it and read it. And predictably, same thing happened. And the same classes of people, the, same, the exact same thing happened with the people commenting without reading it, people who read it and then violated the instructions in order to comment and criticize the people who didn't read it, and then the third group of people criticizing both, all of them ignore, <laughs> ignoring the instructions. Can't help ourselves. But in this article from IFL Science, uh, they cited a, a study from Columbia University that found that uh, articles that are posted on Twitter 
Because that's the main thing I guess people use Twitter for. I don't use Twitter that much. Um, but people post articles on Twitter for, to, to, to share. 60% of those articles, nobody ever clicks on the link. 60% of them, not one person ever clicks on it. People are sharing and sharing and sharing and not reading. One person who participated in the study said, I try to share information on Twitter that will reinforce the image I'd like to present, a thoughtful, reasoned, kind, interested, and passionate about certain things. So I'm posting articles on, on Twitter, not because I think that they're interesting or will be valuable to somebody else, but I'm posting them so that other people will have a certain opinion about me. I'm not, I'm not trying to help anybody understand. I'm not trying to understand anything myself. I'm only trying to air my opinion. I'm trying to curate my public image. Not listening, only waiting to talk. Uh, all right, and the, the results from that uh, marijuana contains alien DNA thing were exactly the same as with the NPR post. This is who we are as people, folks. Um, social media, Facebook and Twitter, I'm talking about these things. Uh, they did not create this problem. They have revealed it. This goes back as far as Emerson. It goes back as far as the Bible. This is a very, very human impulse that we have enshrined as a virtue in our culture. Uh, one of the effects of this is that we create for ourselves uh, what some people have called a media echo chamber. I'm not the first person to observe this. But when social media are your main uh, source of information, those uh, websites learn what you like. When you click on like, it's, oh, you like this. So they start showing you more of those things. And then you start unfollowing friends who share things that you don't like. And what you end up with is this, you know, this says in verse 1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. We isolate ourselves only with people who already think like we do. Um, and even if you're not on social media, you do this because you only watch Fox News or you only watch MSNBC uh, or you only read the New York Times. You have, your, you have your curated media source that you like that tells you what you want to hear and you don't want to hear anything else. Right? You're, a, you're a limbo head or you're a, a Keith Olbermann head or you're a Jon Stewart fan. Like you, you've got the thing that you like to hear and, uh, and you don't want to hear anything else. This is extremely American, but we didn't invent it. Um, this isolating yourself um, actually plays into a major episode in the history of Israel in the Bible. Do you remember this story? King Rehoboam, Solomon, who wrote most of these Proverbs, his son, his heir, who was to be king after him. Uh, as Solomon aged, uh, he apparently started to ignore some of his own advice and started to make bad decisions, and it, it says that he had... Uh, he was taxing people very heavily, placing very heavy burdens on the people of Israel. And when he died and his son, Rehoboam, was crowned king, representatives of the people came and said, would you please reconsider some of your father's policies? Would you please lighten our load? If you do that, we can promise you we're going to be loyal, we will serve you well, every, there will be peace uh, if you would consider lightening this load. It's too much. And Rehoboam, like a good king, asked advice. Uh, he, uh, the, his father's advisors, the old men, it says, told him, you should listen. 
You should speak kindly to the people. And it says, though, that he also asked advice from the young men, the men who it says that he had grown up with. So educated alongside, trained alongside, presumably thought the same way he thought. They told him, here's what you should say. You should tell those, you should tell those people, my little finger, this is exactly what they said. You should say, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. You thought he was bad. He disciplined you with whips. I'm going to discipline you with scorpions. You thought, his, you thought his tax burden was heavy. Wait till you see what I'm going to do. Would you like to know the result? There was a rebellion, a violent rebellion. Ten of the 12 tribes revolted against Rehoboam, picked a different king, and those two kingdoms were never reunited. Uh, isolating yourself, seeking your own desire, raging against all wise judgment, doing that. Uh, it's not merely about shutting yourself away like Howard Hughes, although maybe he's an archetype. Uh, of, that, uh, of that phenomenon. Uh, we do that when we isolate ourselves uh, with people who are exactly like ourselves. That's what Rehoboam did. That was his, his uh, fatal error. And we do that with our media echo chambers. Uh, now, this is uh, particularly timely for us. Because the people who are guilty of this right now, most flagrantly, um, is people who look like me in the dominant culture, uh, adamantly refusing to listen to the pleas, to the statements of people in minority culture. We reject claims of mistreatment. People say, here are the ways in which I have experienced racism. And we say, no, you have not. People say, this is the way I have experienced injustice. And you say, I think that your perception is skewed. We, just like in verses 1 and 2 here, taking, taking no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing our own opinion. And then verse 3, when wickedness comes, contempt comes also. Contempt is despising someone else. Right? We, only want, we don't want to listen. We only want to speak. And that kind of wickedness leads to contempt. We presume that we are a better interpreter of someone else's experience than they are. We do this with race. We do this with ethnicity. We do this with sexuality. We tell people, we tell people, no, here's what your experience is. You say that your experience is this. No, it's not. I'll tell you what your experience actually is. Um, one person said, uh, that I saw on Facebook, a, a majority culture person who seemed to, he seemed to be trying to have a sympathetic ear, but still he said this, to what extent has government policy brought about feelings of continuing victimization? And to what extent, and, and versus to what extent are minorities still the victims of oppression? In other words, he's saying, I suspect that it's actually liberal propaganda and, and big government that's making minorities feel like they're oppressed when they actually aren't. Right? Something else is happening. It can't be real. On one hand, you want to say, I understand your impulse there because this is so far beyond the pale of your experience. So I, I get it. I get why you feel like this is so, it, it's unbelievable 
that there could be this kind of racism. It's unbelievable that there could be this kind of injustice. I, I don't want to believe that the world is this misshapen. It doesn't seem that way to me, not in my life. So there must be something else. But that's exactly why we need to listen. That's exactly why isolating yourself is raging against all sound judgment, breaking out against all sound judgment. That's why that's the case. That's why Solomon is telling his son to listen instead of speaking. It's because these things are beyond our experience. Uh, Alton Sterling gets murdered, and we say it must be because he disrespected the officer. We saw the video. We saw exactly what happened. There must have been something before that. There must be something somewhere else in the video. It must be his fault. It must be his fault. We're refusing to listen. We're not delighting in understanding. We're only delighting in airing our own opinion. And how does speaking without listening cause injustice? Well, we've already touched on that to begin with. right? That this kind of wickedness leads to contempt. Brothers and sisters, there is a name for it. When you assume that members of one so-called race um, are consistently deceived, consistently uh, misinterpreting their experience, you are setting yourself above them. That is called racism. You are actually perpetuating a racist attitude when you start talking about minorities as if you interpret their experiences better than they do. Do you see that? That that actually is racism. That's what it is. That's the definition. You, across the board, are better at, at, at interpreting their experiences than they are. So, verse 2. How does this cause injustice? One, we begin by feeding our selfishness, as it says in verse 2. Uh, uh, well, it's beginning in verse 1. That you isolate yourself. You're doing it because you're seeking your own desire. And that when you're taking uh, pleasure in understanding, but only pleasure in airing your own opinion, you're feeding your selfishness. Verse 27, above that, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Who, uh, he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. When we, when we are speaking without listening, we are leaping to judgment. And when we leap to judgment, we're, and it says in another place in Proverbs that whoever answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly and shame to him. When we leap to judgment, we perpetuate injustice. If you still think, after three years of this movement existing, if you still think that black lives matter, quote-unquote, means that other lives don't matter, then I have to stand here and tell you that you are refusing to listen. Ask a question. Listen to what people say. And that myth will be dispelled. If you still think that saying black lives matter means that you're opposed to the police or you think that the police should be shot, then you have been closing your ears. You have been refusing to listen. I'll tell you what, listen. If you're a conservative... Have you looked at the actual Black Lives Matter platform, their campaign zero? Look it up. It's actually a small government campaign. It's about limiting government power. If you're a conservative, you should be, you should be on board with that. Why aren't you? Is it, be, is it only because you haven't been listening, you haven't been reading to understand? It's about limiting government power. I'm not trying to endorse it one way or another. 
at this point. I'm only saying that if you're conservative, it should be in keeping with your ideals. If you're opposing it, why? Uh, verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inner parts of the body. So there's the sin of speaking this way, but then there's this, also the sin of listening, of hearing other people speak who haven't been listening. And mmm, that's delicious. Mmm, it's like candy, goes, but it goes down to the inner parts of your body. You know, a moment on the lips. <laughs> he who hath an ear, let him hear. Uh, we commit the sin of showing partiality. We uh, try to explain away systematic racism. We are, in effect, claiming that we are better interpreters. Uh, these sins cause us to listen to bad information. It causes us to listen to bad sources. Uh, let's look at verse 1 again. Man who isolates himself. When we isolate ourselves in our media echo chamber, do you know that you're playing into their hands? Do you know that uh, Bill Maher does not want you to read Rod Dreher? Bill Maher, you know, the, the liberal commentator and comedian, he wants you to think of conservatives uh, as only the Donald Trump stereotype. He doesn't want you to know that reasonable, thoughtful, compassionate people who are politically conservative exist. He doesn't want you to read that. He only wants you to be angry and afraid. Rush Limbaugh does not want you to be reading reasonable, compassionate, uh, thoughtful liberals. He only wants you to think about some caricature. He, on both sides, all, all those, they only, they want you angry, they want you afraid. That's what get them clicks and page views and funding and fundraising from the, both political parties. That's what they want. The antidote is to listen outside what you usually listen to. They want you angry and afraid. It, and when we do all of these things, we are dehumanizing other people. We are elevating ourselves above them. And look, this is not just about race. This is about your politics. This is about uh, your culture. This is about anybody who you think of as different than you. And you, people are conservatives. They're just bigots, uh, you know, and selfish. If that's what you do, you, then you're not listening. People who are liberals, they just want a free handout. If that's what you do, then you're just not listening. You're dehumanizing people who disagree with you. And when we do this regarding race, we are perpetuating an actual racist attitude. So how do we save ourselves from this? How do we change? How do we get past this? I mean, let's be clear. Everyone, everyone here commits this sin. And look, I, I know most of you pretty well. I know that most of you are not out there saying that Black Lives Matter uh, is anti-police. Uh, I know that most of you are out there not, are not dehumanizing conservatives if you're liberal or liberals if you're conservative. Most of you, I know, are, are pretty even keeled with these things. Um, but we are constantly tempted to this. The social media, as I mentioned already, didn't create this problem. 
It only revealed it. But how do we break these cycles? This is a human problem. It's deeply embedded in our culture. We have elevated it so far that it's actually a virtue in our minds. What will give us the courage and the strength? I want to refer you to our New Testament reading. It said every James 1, starting in verse 16, uh, it said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation, not even a shadow of turning. By his own will, in verse 18, he brought us forth. He fathered us by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It's the same progression that the Proverbs is talking about. Uh, being slow to hear and swift to speak leads to being swift to anger. Instead, be slow to speak, swift to hear, and therefore be slow to anger. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay, what is he saying is able to save our souls? What word? How is he, saying, how is he telling us that we'll, that we'll go from being people who are swift to speak and slow to hear and quick to anger? How do we go from being that to being slow to speak, swift to hear, and slow to anger? By receiving with meekness the word which is able to save your souls. And what word is that? Back in verse 18, he just told us that by his own will, he brought us forth. Right? When we have our eye on what Jesus has done, that God freely and graciously has set us free, uh, that itself sets us free in our thinking. When we are able to look to Jesus, that sets us free to listen. That sets us free from our fear of being put wrong. Because the other fantastic thing about this passage is that it narrates the whole gospel for us. The whole story of Jesus is encapsulated in these 13 verses. Jesus was a righteous man, a noble, who was struck and fined and struck down for his, for his uprightness. Jesus restrained his words as one who had knowledge. Despite being oppressed, Unjustly, Jesus maintained a cool spirit. Jesus was not a fool. He was wise, but he kept silent. He closed his lips even while he was being falsely accused. Jesus didn't isolate himself and seek his own desire, but Jesus gave himself, came to those who had isolated themselves. Uh, Jesus didn't delight in expressing his own opinion. He said specifically that he only spoke the words that his father told him to speak. Jesus didn't despise us, but he loved us. He didn't show us contempt, but he gave himself for us. Jesus' own words were the words that were deep waters and a, a, a fountain of a, a wisdom as, as a bubbling brook. 
Jesus said that one of the sermons that we preached from John just recently was that when we're in Christ, um, the life of Jesus becomes like a river that flows even out of our own hearts. Jesus didn't show partiality, but partiality was shown to the wicked, one that in, in his place. You remember that the people called for the thief to be released, for the traitor to be released instead of Jesus. The people showed partiality to the wicked one in order to deprive Jesus, the righteous one of justice. Our lips invite a beating, but Jesus bore that beating. Our mouths work ruin, but Jesus bore that ruin. The powers and the, and the authorities were like whisperers, whispering delicious morsels about Jesus, falsely accusing him behind his back. But he bored in silence. And because of that, the name of the Lord, his name, has become the strong tower that we can run into to be safe. You know, we're the ones who cause the injustice. Um, but because of these things that Jesus did, embodying justice, embodying the wisdom, because he did these things, we are set free of our guilt and we're set free to do the same. Let's go to the table.